God liked that song, Sarah. That was really good. Wasn't that fantastic? Thank you for singing that today. So let me share a picture with you this morning. Exhibit A, this slide right here. Now, it's a flower bed at our home where we live. The tree behind that graceful McBrayer M is a crepe myrtle tree. You only see the trunk there. My wife accused me of committing crepe murder on that tree as I trimmed it this year, but it's come back just fine. I don't remember exactly what those little purple flowers are. Cindy tells me that the fuzz... What? Mexican petunias, okay, there's a consensus here, all right, that's good. Cindy says the one on the right, she calls a foxtail, that fuzzy thing there on the right, I don't know what you call it there. There's a solar-powered light, you know, don't make sure, make sure you don't miss that. And of course, there's a giant concrete rabbit. Now, we have, we have people stop at our house and ask us about this rabbit, because they want one of these beasts for themselves. And when they stop and ask, I say, no, you don't. This rabbit has moved three different houses with us, and it weighs 5,000 damn pounds. You don't want that rabbit. In fact, if you'll load this rabbit up right now, you can have this rabbit. And then at the base of the big bunny's feet is this green, leafy halo. Do you see that? What in the world is that? Well, I'll tell you. Last year on Easter Sunday, Nancy McConnell gives the invitation that she gives every Easter. Do you know what it is? We got all these Easter lilies here, and you need to take them home with you. So Cindy got one, and she took it home, and she planted it right there in April of 2018. And there it grew for a little while, and then winter came, and it died away. And Cindy took this massive concrete pot and put it where that lily used to sit, and she put artificial flowers in the pot for the winter. And as spring came along this year, uh, we were out working in the flower bed, and we moved that pot, and there is this Easter lily, coiled like a halo, trying to get out of the ground, snaking around the concrete pot underneath. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? And so uh, Easter's 2019 lily is planted there with that now. I just wanted you to see the 2018 edition, that it doesn't look like a lily, but it certainly, certainly is. And it's a great parable for Easter itself, really. Life breaking through the soil. What was thought dead, what was thought gone, knocking back the dirt and erupting out of winter's earth. Now there's no need to check your calendar, it's not Easter today, but it remains in the church calendar Easter tide. There is Lent, 40 days before Easter, a time of preparation, repentance. Easter comes, Holy Week, and then after Easter Sunday itself, this 50-day period before Pentecost that we call Easter tide. 50 days of celebration and reflection on life and when you turn to the Eastertide lectionary, you find that the scripture readings during this season are filled with resurrection and resuscitation, with hope and joy. And that is the case in our reading that we have heard today. You find followers of Jesus acting out 
in resurrection power. Tabitha. The, the Greek name sounds strange to me. Dorcas. Like you're a dork. So I, I, I'm just going to stay away from that. But Tabitha. Tabitha is a good woman. She is kind. She is mindful of the poor. She's a seamstress. She's making clothing for her friends, for the community. And she dies in this little coastal town called Joppa or Jaffa. This is a picture I took a few years ago when I was in Joppa. You can go there today. It's a beautiful city sitting right on the Mediterranean, just outside of Tel Aviv. Next slide, Garrett. Almost every door in that village is painted blue. Now, you'll see this around the Mediterranean in places. Why do they paint the doors blue? The old tradition is, now some of you Lutherans, Methodists, what was the color of your church door? Red. Why? Do anybody know? You don't know? It's the blood of Jesus. Come on, people, play along here. Are we Christians? But in these Mediterranean towns, you see these blue doors. And the tradition is that blue is the color of heaven. And the devil can't get into heaven. So you paint your door blue and the devil can't get into your house. Our front door is blue. I don't know if it's working. (laughs) Today you can also visit, next slide, the house of Simon the Tanner where Simon Peter stayed, and where traditionally it has been accepted that Tabitha was brought back from the dead by Simon Peter. If one hears the Bible stories haphazardly, one could come to the conclusion that people were dying and coming back to life all the time in the Bible. But that's not true. Outside of Jesus, there are only eight specific such resuscitations in the whole of scripture i call them resuscitations not resurrections because everyone else after resuscitated had to die again and if you ask me that's a real bummer right there three of those resuscitations occur in the old testament elijah raises a widow's son elisha elijah's disciple raises a shunammite boy easy for me to say And then, strangely enough, Elisha's bones raise a dead man. They're hiding in a grave. They're hiding in a cemetery from some guys. They jump into this grave. They throw a dead man in there because they're hiding this body. It touches Elisha's bones, and he stands on his feet, which reminds me of, you know, the joke about the guy falling in. This is not in my notes. The guy falling into the the open grave in a cemetery. Have you heard this one? He falls into an empty grave in a cemetery. It was prepared for a burial the next day. It's raining just like it is outside. The walls of the grave are so slick he can't get out, so he just sits down. A little bit later, a drunk's walking through (laughs) the same graveyard and falls into the same hole. He starts trying to get out, trying to get out, and he finally says out loud, I'll never get out of here. And the guy that's already been in there says in the corner in the dark covered with mud, you got that right, buddy. But he got out. That's how the joke goes. You turn to the New Testament and Jesus raises a widow's son at Nain. Jesus' raising of this boy is an exact duplication of what Elijah had done. He does it on purpose, showing he is in the prophetic tradition. Then Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, an exact replication of what Elisha had done. 
Jesus raises his friend Lazarus in the, in the Gospel of John. And then we come to two post-Gospel occurrences. Simon Peter, in our text today, raises Tabitha. And Paul raises a young man named Eutychus. Now, the Eutychus story, I've remembered my entire life. It's a great story later in the book of Acts. Eutychus is a young man, probably a teenager. Paul is preaching a sermon in this house, and it's crowded, and it's hot, and it's muggy, and he, Paul's been preaching like for hours. And Eutychus is sitting in the window, and he does what a lot of folks do. He, and I know who does it here. He thought he'd catch a few winks during the sermon. He falls asleep in the window, three stories in the air, falls out of the window, three stories below, hits the pavement, and he is dead as a hammer. And and, and Paul goes down, interrupts the sermon. Something had to end it. He gets done, goes down, raises the boy from the dead. That's amazing. But then you know what he did? He went back up and started preaching again all the way to morning. I mean, I would say that's a pretty good invitation call. Let's wrap it up and go to the house right there. <laughs> they used to tell this story to me when I was growing up in church. And uh, they'd warn us. You know, there was a boy who fell, a- fell asleep in church one time, and it killed him. <laughs> and the way they would tell the story is like they were resentful that, that Paul raised him from the dead. And so we always knew who Eutychus was. It was very Puritan. Now, you remember the Puritans of New England. I have another slide here for you. This is Jonathan Edwards. Just look at him. He is so angry. And they were. And the Puritans influenced my particular tradition greatly. They were a harsh bunch, patriarchal, legalistic, separatist. They would lash and beat people for the most minor offenses. Think uh, in, your, in your history of literature, think the crucible, uh, the scarlet letter, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, the Salem Witch Trials, a 17th century version of The Handmaid's Tale, maybe. One of their rules was no sleeping in church. And I came across this this week. This is a fantastic picture. The guy sitting in the perch is called a tithing man. And he would walk around. Can you imagine having this today? Walk around during, during, during during the sermon because some of these Puritans would preach for three hours. Three hours. And he had a big knocker on the end of one end of the stick and maybe a feather or a foxtail on the other. So if he was feeling gently, you'd just get a little feather. If he thought you needed a little more, you'd get a knock on the head. This is a true account from a Puritan church pastor in Massachusetts, June 1646, recording what happened on one Sunday morning. On the last Lord's Day, Alan Bridges strutted about the meeting house and did spy Mr. Tomlin sleeping with much comfort. His head kept steady by being in the corner of the pew and his hand grasping the rail. And so spying this scene, Bridges did quickly thrust his staff toward and give Mr. Tomlin a grievous stab to the hand. Whereupon Mr. Tomlins did spring up from the pew and with terrible force strike his hand against the wall and profanely exclaimed in the loudest of voice, Damn you, woodchuck! Alas, Tomlins had been dreaming that a woodchuck had seized him by the hand. And upon coming to know where he was and the great scandal he had committed, he was such abashed that he did not speak, and I think he will not soon again go to sleep in worship. 
I don't know if we should bring those back or not. Back to poor Tabitha. She's not sleeping. She's dead. As dead as dead could be. But her friends, and I love this part of the story, her friends that, she lo- that loved her, her friends that she had served, they would not abide this. She was too good of a soul to let go of so soon. And I understand that. And you do too. I have lost friends far too young. Friends in the prime of their life. I know you have too. Friends that left seemingly before their time. And if I could have called upon a supercharged holy man to come and raise them up, I would have. I have friends even now, today, that are facing terminal illnesses, and those illnesses are terminal. They are going to die. They are going to die too soon. And that is not a lack of faith. It's not giving up on prayer. It's reality. It's hard and it's cold, but it is the reality of the situation. I would do something if I could, or at least offer another person in their place. Now, you know what I'm saying. Why is it that the people who have so much to give and who are such gentle, just, good souls, why them? Why not that convergent over there? Over there is just generally speaking. I'm not waving at anybody over there. (laughs) Why not somebody else who's hard and crusty and really doesn't care? I mean, those are the kind of conversations I have with God. I don't know if you have those kind of conversations. But I'm talking to Him all the time about why such things like this happen. Well, Tabitha's friends lived at an exceptionally, exceptionally fortunate time. One of the original disciples of Jesus is nearby, Simon Peter, and they go get him. And they tell him about Tabitha, and Simon Peter goes to that upper room where she is laid. He prays, he intercedes, and she is raised from the dead. Like a lily bursting forth out of the ground that you thought was gone. Like a lily hiding beneath a stone pot, they lean toward life, and life is what they get for their friend. And I think that is the lesson for us today, not that we will see those we love raised from the dead right before our eyes. That's not likely. Not that we will always avert death. That's not likely either. The lesson is to lean toward life. Reach for it. Side with it. Stretch out and take hold of it in all of its manifestations. See before you, God said to Moses and the people of Israel once, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life. And that's not a political slogan. It's not a t-shirt. It's how you spend each and every day. You take sides with what is good and just and life-giving and soul-sustaining, or you choose the opposite of those things. We know that something is wrong with the world. We know it within. Deep in our hearts, in our bones, because we were made for life. So all of this hatefulness, the violence, the ugliness, as Jesus described evil, what comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, 
We recognize it and we know, we know we must resist it. We know that if you give death and destruction an inch, it will take a mile. So we keep blooming. We keep coming back after our seasons of winter. We keep reaching for what is bright and warm. We keep breaking through the dirt to say life counts. Resurrection is real. I am still alive and well, more or less. And when it comes time to shake off this body and to proceed to whatever is waiting for me on the other side, yes, even then, I will be alive. One more picture. This is another flower bed at our house. And uh, right here on our little pond. Kids, that's as waterfront as we can get. Sorry. There's a uh, little windmill thing above those lilies. You see it? It's a whirly-do, a technical term, whirly-do. And then uh, to, the, to the left there, beautiful wind chimes. Cindy, who gave us those wind chimes? Linda and Mickey Brown. I love those. They're, they're right outside our bedroom. They sing all the time. And then this giant flower pot with these lilies that are in the in, on, on the inside. This... These lilies, Nancy, are not last year's lilies. Cindy didn't grab five or six and go out with lilies her arms full. Let me tell you about, about these lilies. And I bumped into him in the back and warned him that I was going to tell this story. I'm glad he's here. Back in 2015, one of South Walton's most beautiful people passed away at the far, far too young of age of 55. Beachy Barb, Barbara Lovell. And it seems just like yesterday that we were at her memorial service Many of you knew her better than I did, but those of you who knew her well knew that she was beautiful inside and out. Last winter, her husband Dave is cleaning up his house. Time to make some changes. It's hard, but necessary. And my wife Cindy was over there, and she's lending a hand and getting some of his castaway glassware because she throws nothing away. And there was this giant concrete pot sitting there. And in Cindy's way, she says, what are you going to do with that? And Dave says, you want it? Yeah. Well, it was too big to put in her car, so I drive down there. It's heavier than that damn rabbit back at the house. <laughs> Full of dirt and put it in the back of her car, and we wrestle it around in the backyard to get it into this position where it's at today and hope it stays there. <laughs> well, spring grows around this year, and there's some weeds in it, and I say to Cindy, I'm going to pull these weeds up because I'm a great gardener. <laughs> and she says, no, 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 don't do that. Let's see, let's see, that could be something. Well, a few weeks later, we open our bedroom door to look outside. And Barbara Lovell's lilies are blooming in the pot. <laughs> there's seven of them. Five, like trumpets, are already opened, and then there's two more that haven't opened yet. I'm happy to say they've all completely opened now. And what the reason I took this particular picture is I want you to see. You see how they're leaning? They're leaning because the sun comes up on that side of the house and it shines between the house and the garage, this little narrow area, not much wider than this hallway. And then the sun, after it rises, these lilies are in the shade the rest of the time. But there was just enough sun in the morning for these lilies to be called back from death to be called out of the dirt, and then they lean toward that morning sun. 
every day. There is not a better parable than that right there on how to live our lives. Even if you just get a little sun, even if you just get a little warmth in your life, then lean to it. Stretch out for it. Let it give you roots to grow. As Jesus said, consider the lilies. Consider the lilies. And may we live the full life that they live.